0: Right on. So we're in this series that we've been doing for the last couple of weeks called Simple. And the way that we've been saying it is we believe uh, that Christianity is the most complex, simple thing ever. I think that the, Jesus, you know, he came and he said, uh, my burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, all these things. He said the way that we can come to Christ is very approachable. He's relational. He wants to be in relationship with us. And there's things that we do in life that complicate it, that overcomplicate it, that make it, whether it be tradition or, or bad thinking that we may have or just things that have happened to us in our life that we've let, we've let our either relationship with God or church or whatever, we've let it become muddy and cloudy and it gets complicated, but the idea of being a Christ follower is simple. And we say, well, hold on a second, are you saying that it's easy? I'm not saying that it's easy. Because we take up our cross and we put our hand to the plow. And there's times where you have to grind it out and use your faith. And definitely that. But uh, the idea of being a Christ follower and that God is for you, and for you, he has more law. That everybody else says, man, Christianity is so full of rules. But the truth is, it's full of more promises for your life than it is any kind of rule. And we always say it like this. God is not into like taking away from you. Uh, he's into giving to you. And so it's like this. Uh, if you were at my house and you were house sitting and I said, hey, you can eat whatever you want. Get in the cupboard, get in the refrigerator, whatever. Eat whatever you want. You're free to have whatever you want. But whatever you do, don't drink that bottle of poison that I have in the refrigerator. Would that be me being some angry like house guy that your house? sitting? No, it's me looking out for your best interest. <laughs> hey, freely eat freely, you know, take part of all, But stay away from that, because if you do that, it would be bad for you. And that's the same thing we saw in the garden. God said, hey, freely eat of every tree, but just stay away from that one because if you get into that, that will hurt you. And same thing in our life. Hey, he says, avoid living a lifestyle like that and like this and like this because if you do, these things will happen to you. And so God's way is always for you in the best way. And Jesus said when he came, I came to give you life and to give it to you better or give you the best way to live. And so the laws and principles that he's set up are to benefit to you. And the problem is, a lot of times we look at all that stuff as restrictive, or God is against us, or he's trying to take our fun away, or whatever, and it's not the case. He's for you. And so today's going to be fun, and this is just where I take sort of the, um, I guess, the mask off, if you will, not that I ever wear one, because to me, we're all family, and anytime I get up here, I'm not trying to like, do a show for you or be something you want me to be. I just am who I am. The minute I stop being that is the minute I get out. I used to um, work at a bakery, and so I always say this. The minute that it becomes fake or like a show or a program for me will be the day that I go back to sprinkling Donuts. Somebody say Amen, <laughs> because like this is my call from God that I'm obedient to. It's not something that I'm trying to make it up to be. And so, in all honesty, uh, today's sermon is one that is actually the hardest to give uh, for me. Uh, I would there's a lot tougher topics out there that I would much rather tackle. That some people would say, Oh, I'd rather. I would rather. Uh, stay away from those, and I'd rather talk about this, but this is my topic that is the hardest to talk about, and so, not that I dread it, like, oh, I dread it, because I believe in it, and so I want to go for it, but uh, today's topic that we're talking about, simple, we're talking about money, 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 and uh, right away, when you start talking about money in, in church, people, like, you don't even know it, but you just already grabbed your wallet, you're just like, oh, gosh, and... Uh, <laughs> And so the idea of the conversation about money and church and money and, because and, here's the thing, let's just all be honest. Again, I'm going to let, like, everybody can relax because I'm just as real as you are. We've seen it abused on Christian television. We've seen all the schemes. We've seen all that kind of stuff. So I'm with you in that boat. The problem is uh, a lot of leaders and people have said because it's been abused and people have a bad taste about it, a lot of people have said, let's stop talking about it. Let's give it time, and we'll let that go away, and then maybe we'll talk about it again later. Um, And so because money's been abused, and because we've seen uh, people, Christian celebrity-ish, whatever, get rich off it, um, people are saying, hey, let's stay away from it. But the truth is, what a ripoff to the body of Christ if we stop talking about the laws and principles of giving and generosity and resources. Somebody say amen. And so uh, for me, The reason it's hard is because people have a bad taste in their mouth because it's been abused. And so automatically when you start talking about it, people get like, they start thinking of that and they start thinking and they think, oh, the church wants is my money. And yes, there's cases where that has been the case. But I think a pastor who truly loves you and really wants the best for you will be a pastor who is honest and truthful to you about what the Bible says about money. Somebody say amen. And so it would be a ripoff and a disservice and it would be, um, poor on my behalf if I was one of those who shied away from the topic of money because it makes people uncomfortable imagine if we raised our kids that way Uh, my daughter is uh she's (coughs) going on two, and she's learning um she's learning words and letters and all this kind of stuff so we're getting the the puzzles where you put the the a with the a and the b with the b and whatever and so uh what if we got to a stage in her life where she felt uncomfortable okay honey you know what you're right you're uncomfortable we'll just stop working on it we'll just we'll be done what a disservice, right? Because there's blessing in her life if she figures out the processes to these things in life, learning letters, numbers, all those kinds of things. There's much to be harvested from the concept of those things we're teaching her. And if when it got complicated, I just said, don't worry about it. What a disservice I would do to her. Somebody say, amen. Same thing in church. When we talk about money, there's much in your life for you to harvest and to take hold of and to run with. When we talk about money that I, I, I want to take, I, I want to do it right for you. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, check this out. This, this will blow your mind. Jesus, this is in the New Testament. If we talk about how much God is into stewardship or our resources or what we do with our money, there's, five, there's 500 verses. Uh, in the New Testament, there's about 500 verses on faith. There's about 500 or more verses on prayer. There's over 1,000 verses on giving or stewardship. Uh, 19 of the 38 parables Jesus talked about deal with giving. Uh, One-tenth of the book of Matthew deals with stewardship in giving. The Bible talks about it that much. Why? Because that's how important it is to our lives. And you say, well, it's because God wants my money and God wants to just... No, God puts that much emphasis on it because that's how good it is for your life when you get it. Somebody say amen. And so you say, oh, that's a lot of money. He's talking about a lot of, you know... That's all, the topic of money and giving your resources and generosity. That's, like a, that's how much God believes in it for your life is because it can empower you. And so I'll get up here and say, as the pastor, uh, does this church want your money? Absolutely. Do, do I want to see you give your money? Oh, yeah, like crazy. Uh, do, do, would we love for all, everybody to give their tithe, the 10%? Oh, absolutely. I actually want you to give more than 10%. And so we laugh and we get uncomfortable and say, why? Why, why do I feel that way as the pastor? Because I need your money, because we need to buy another building, because we need to do another thing. Not at all. And there's a lot of, a lot of personal stuff that I'll leave out just because I don't want to put myself on a platform. Uh, but I believe in laying down your life personally with your resources because God always meets you there. And so I'm not going to get up here and talk about me about that. But do 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 I want you to give to the church? Absolutely. Do I want you to give more? I want you to get it. Why? Because you the whole catchphrases we get into, you can't outgive God and and you're blessed to be a blessing. And the whole thing of giving it shall be given unto you, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So I this topic of money, and, and I'll move into some scripture here in a minute, but this topic of money is one of the top topics that causes people to leave a church. Is because not only is it hard to receive as a, as a human nature, but then the trouble is when you leave here, you have a partner usually. A husband and a wife have to start to talk about how it works for them as a couple. And usually the enemy tries to put disunity in there or whatever. And so all I'm saying is this. Please understand this. That the, the devil or the enemy or however you want to call it is called the great deceiver. And so he always takes what God intended to be great and to be a blessing and to be a weapon and everything that God wanted to be an asset in your life. He always takes that and twists it and deceives it. And so if I were to pull a lot of people and say, hey, what do you think about Christianity? Would, would people say, oh, you know, Christians, they're, they're really in unity. And man, those Christians, they just, you can tell they really have a prayer life. Man, Christians, you know, they're really compassionate and generous. You wouldn't hear that, I don't think. You would actually hear, boy, Christians are always fighting with each other and Christians are always backbiting. It seems like they have no relationship or prayer life, or it seems like, you know, they're not very generous and they're they holder. Why? Because the enemy can take what was meant to be a weapon for good for you in your life, and he deceives us in those things and, and it and it robs us. Somebody say amen. So he takes the enemy convinces you of, hey, don't live that way, live this way, and we get duped into these things because it's an incredible blessing or arsenal that you can have in your bag if we learn how to trust God with our resources. Amen? Okay, so Matthew 25, 14, we won't turn there. I have a lot to get into, but a lot of you know the story. It's the parable of the talents. And so the story goes like this. Three guys, I guess we do have it. So three guys, uh, three guys are given talents or coins, if you will. They're given something to go out and invest with and take care of. And so the master gives them these things, and they go out, and the scripture says that, that some invested and made a little, and then another guy invested and made a little bit more, but one guy did nothing with what he was given. He sat on it. And the scripture says when that person came back to the master, uh, the person who grew it, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. But to the other person who didn't grow it or do anything with it at all, he said, "Wicked! And, you're a wicked and lazy servant. So what's the deal here? The guy who took what God gave him and grew it, essentially, he had trust in the master that with the master's blessing, there would be growth. But the wicked and lazy servant who didn't do anything with it was essentially saying, I can't risk. I can't trust God. I have to hold this. I have to sit on this. I have to keep for myself Instead of trusting God and giving and investing and and sowing. And so that person sat on it and they said, hey, wicked and lazy servant. Isn't it so easy for us in life when the bills come or when things come in or when life hits us and we have the breakdown in the car and all these kind of things happen. We're so easy to get our paycheck and do the same thing as that servant, the wicked and lazy. I got to hold this. I got to sit on this. I got to preserve this. I can't be generous. I can't give to somebody else. I can't meet somebody else's need because I need this. And the trouble with that thinking is what you say is this, God, I don't trust what you can do with these resources. I only trust what I can do with these resources. Amen. Yeah. Like you guys are way too loud in here. Be careful. There's... <laughs> so we say, wait a second. I, I, I don't want to sow. I don't want to give. I don't want to bless others. I don't want to, I need to hold and protect these on my own. And so It takes trust off of God and puts it on ourselves. Uh, And that's a kind of dangerous place to be. Uh, So the scripture shows us here that God is interested in what we do with our money. Uh, That's a concept that some of us just have to catch. Like God is interested in what we do with our money and with our resources because he wants to be a part of it. And you say, well, why does God want to be a part of it? Does he want to control it? Does he want to be this controlling? No, he wants to be a part of it because he can do a lot more with it than you can. Amen, And it's the, same, it's the same thing for all of us. There is no um, like level of completion. We're always called to trust more and to trust more. The whole walk with God is about saying, I trust you instead of I trust what I can do with it under my own power. Uh, before we can be a ruler, this, this story here shows us this, that before we can be a ruler over more, we have to be trusted with what we currently have now. Amen. Uh, I love this. Uh, always, uh, stewardship is the hardest, and uh, it actually gets harder when you're a parent. I'll be honest with you. If uh, if I'm the most uh, unmanaged in my resources right now, it's actually because of my daughter. Like my wife and I get in fights about it. Um, she she knows this. Like it's so funny. She's not even two yet. She, like, already knows the sweet voice. Like, Dad, can I get that? Like, how do you know to change your voice, you know? And so, like, we go to the store, and she knows if she hugs something, it's hers. Like, you don't let it up. And so it's kind of been the meter. Like, oh, you, you like this? And she's like, mm-hmm. but if she hugs it, it's like, oh, it's hers. Like, she could hug a car right now, and I'd buy it for her, you know? it's like, And so, uh, and so managing our resources is tough. And, and, and when I talk about managing your resources, it's not... God wants you to sit at home on the couch every night and save money to give to the poor. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about living in a the scripture, and I don't have it with me, but the scripture says that we should steward our finances in enough that we can give to every good work. At the end of the day, you've done enough that when a good work comes into your life that you're inspired by, you have enough to be able to give unto that. And so it's tough for us because there's good things that we could blow our money on. Uh, I, I think about times that we go out. Is it wrong? Uh, so we have a budget because a budget is very important. That's stewarding your money. I would start there if you don't have a budget that you can tell me what your budget is. 80 uh, some percent of Americans at the end of the year can't tell you how they spent their money. Imagine if business, well, the government runs their money that way, but imagine if a business, <laughs> imagine if a business, I was about to say, imagine if the country ran, well, so, imagine if a business guy you know, at the end of the year, went back and I was like, you know, I don't really know where all that money went. I couldn't tell you exactly what category that money went into. And so it's important to have a budget and to have categories. And um, somebody say, oh, my money goes to bills. Well, that's a good start. At least you know it's going somewhere. But there's good things that you can do that isn't selfish and whatever. You can go out. It's great to go out to dinner with your wife and with your kids and whatever. And that's not a bad thing. We're not talking about gambling and like, you know, all. it's a good thing to go out to dinner. But if it doesn't fit in your stewardship structure, your budget, then it's not a good thing. If I'm buying my daughter every time we go to the store, $10, $20, but it's my daughter. I love her. No, it doesn't fit in our structure. And so my wife's going to call me out on this probably today, even when we're out at the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so stewardship, you got to have that stewardship. You want to be a ruler over more. You wanna, it's so funny too, because like um, we all know it. We all make the same mistake. One day we'll be on our Facebook or whatever, I'm so broke, I don't have any money. And then the next day you're like pictures of like your $8 Starbucks. I got a Starbucks, $8. You know, like, I'm broke. Well, it's because look at yesterday's wall. You had an $8 Starbucks. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what are you doing? So uh, that's the truth. Like stewardship, everything's got to be in its place because to be a ruler over more, we have to be good stewards of where we are now. Everybody Okay. Okay. Malachi 3.8, and just paraphrasing, we won't get into the whole thing, but Malachi 3.8 says that if we don't give, oh, it's there too. <laughs> uh, apparently, I give him every scripture. So, Malachi 3.8, we've all, oh, that's 10, buddy, that's 10. Malachi 3.8, leave it there. Malachi 3.8 says that when we don't bring the tither, when we, it says that we can rob God in the realm of our tithes and offerings. When we don't steward our money to, to give uh, back unto the things of God or into the kingdom, Uh, it says that we're literally robbing God. And then Matthew 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that you may not have enough room to contain it. Test me in this. Um, There's a really cool couple uh, who we hang out with that comes here. And um, we were out to lunch one day and he was looking for a job. And he said, you know, went home and my wife and I talked and was having a struggle getting a job. And he said, we talked and we just said, you know what? We're going to up our tithe. We're going to make sure that we bring in the whole tithe, is what the scripture's saying. And we'll talk about it here in a minute. He said, we're going to do that. And so struggling to get a job, they decided to do that. They went online, set up a recurring giving type thing. And then literally the next week when we're at lunch, the whole time we're at lunch, he's, he's like, man, you got to help me. i got to figure out which job I need to take. He had like three of them fall in his lap that week. Why? Because he tested God. With he, God gives you permission. Test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, open those job opportunities for you. Some of you say, well, I've been looking for a job for the last couple months or whatever. It, it doesn't always happen immediately. I'm not saying he's like a genie. You give him a couple bucks, he gives you a couple jobs. That's not what I'm saying because it's a trust, right? It's a trust issue. It's a, it's a, in our heart, we, we, we got to establish trust with God. And so, so it's important for us to give because that's how God opens the floodgates of heaven to us. That's how God opens things up to us is, um, is in that realm. Malachi, uh, I thought about too, robbing God is a dumb thing. Like when we're young, you steal from your brother or sister, or you steal from the thing and no one notices. But every time we rob God, I'm pretty sure he notices that, right? Like he can't really get away with one. And, uh, and so giving unto God and giving of your resources is God's way of getting to you. You know, you're never giving it away. You know, you're, you're giving back to God what's already his is what we already say. And so Psalm 24:1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is his, and so God, it's all his already, you know, I mean, you know, like, literally, heaven doesn't need our, our money, or, like, God doesn't need our, uh, but to do heaven on earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it takes resources, it takes obedience with our people, it takes submission in our heart to trust God in every area of our life, and the money one is really hard. Um, you guys doing okay? You with me? And so money is really, really important, like, the Bible gets it. The Bible gets it that our life just runs on money obviously, and the Bible understands that, and I think that's why it talks about it so much. And we need money to do things, to to buy homes and cars and clothes and medicine and food and all these kind of things. Money is a huge part of how our world spins round. But wouldn't it be stupid if we say, "Hey, money is a huge part of what how our world spins round. Food, cars, clothes, medicine, bills, all these kinds of things. It's a huge part of how our world spins around, but yet we're going to leave God out of our money. It doesn't make sense. It's like you would secure the most important stuff first. And so that's what giving is. We come with our tithe, our 10%, and we say, God, and the scripture says, when you give of your 10th, if you give the first, the rest is blessed. And so that's what we do. We say, God, so much of our world revolves around stuff and need and money and stuff. And so, God, we're making sure that the rest is holy. Here, here's our tithe, and you're going to bless the rest. And, and we've secured how our world goes round based on God taking care of it. I was talking with somebody about giving. And, and, and I can promise you this. I, I literally would meet with you after if you wanted to. I have been around the block on the topic of tithing. As a matter of fact, I lost a church job that I worked at uh, because of some discrepancies about this topic of tithing that I was off base on. Okay. So that's just me putting it all the way out there. everybody's like, oh my gosh, I do want to talk to you about that. So (laughs) uh, you guys, so, so all I'm saying is I've been around the block uh, about this topic of tithe. And so uh, what I was going to say with it is this. And so we all, everything we do The whole world spins around based on our resources and trusting God. And I was having a conversation with somebody about this that said, really in my heart, I'm motivated to really give. It'll be the first time that I'm faithful with like a tithe and giving of what I give. And and that person said, but what if, you know, a transmission goes out? Or what if, uh, you know, this happens or that happens? Well, the truth is, what happens if you don't give and the transmission goes out? I'd rather put my security in the fact that the transmission is God's problem, not my problem. (laughs) Right. So I give and I'm faithful and and I believe in generosity and I leave the rest up to God because he said it would be blessed. And he said he would open up the floodgates and pour out transmissions. And right. That's God's problem, not ours. And so sometimes you're saying, God, where, you know, I've been faithful. I've been generous. I've been obedient. You know, where where are you on this? I still need help. And you will be amazed because you've put yourself in miracle territory. God, I can't figure it out. I don't know how it's going. to All of a sudden, those miracles show up. Someone knocks on your door, has got like a transmission. Heard you need transmission. <laughs> like, it just happens. That's all I can say is I've, I've been around it enough to see that that's how it happens. Amen? And so, celebrity, the problem is the culture we live in, they make it look like if you have this, you have enough power. If you have enough money, if you can, you look at the red carpet and the glam and all the money and all the things. If you have enough of that then you're powerful enough. You're strong enough. You can be Lord of your own life if you have enough money. But our call isn't to be Lord of our own life. Our call is to be surrendered to the God, our creator of our life. Amen. Thought about this. Bill Gates has a ton of money, obviously. He's not the richest anymore. But when I pulled these statistics, he was one of the richest. And this is just a little fun stat. He was one of the first people on pace to become a trillionaire. And, uh, and then the Lord noticed uh, that, obviously, Windows is witchcraft and Apple is better. And so uh, it went this way. But um, he was on pace to be the first trillionaire. But check this out. If you yourself had $225,000 in your pocket, so you sit down on the couch, you have $225,000 to your name in your pocket, and you lost 47 cents in the couch, Bill Gates would have to sit down on that same couch and lose $2.1 million to equate to equal that 47 cents you lost. If you had $225,000 in your pocket and you made a car payment, your car payment was $239. So you had $225,000 and you made a car payment of $239. Bill Gates would have to make a car payment of $1.6 billion to equal. Uh, and obviously all those stats have changed and stuff. But listen, he can't do more with his money than God can do with your money. He has a limit. He has a limit. And uh, so you say, boy, if I just had that much money, I'd have that much more security. I'd be stable. And all of those desires are good. We all want the best for our families and for our houses and for all. We want that. But you're not called to make it. You're called to steward it and trust God that he's taking care of those things. It's like everything else in Christianity. It's a surrendering of our heart in every area of our life because God can do more with our money than we can. Amen. So money, and and I'll be closing up here in just a minute, but money is not the root of all evil. A lot of people say, well, you know, you're sitting here talking about money and how God's going to bless us and all this kind of stuff. And I've heard it said that money is the root of all evil, but the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Like we talked about in our giving sermon or uh, part of the service, the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, for which Some have strayed away from the faith in greediness. When you fall into this idea of, I got to get more money, I got to get more security, I got to get more, the the scripture says that you can fall away from the faith simply in your greediness. Why? Because you've made the love of money, your Lord. You've made the love of money, what it's all about, and you miss it. Uh, Money is not good or bad. It depends on how we use it. And, uh, and that's what it comes down to. A lot of preachers or pastors or people will get over here and they'll say, well, Jesus became poor so that we might be rich, and so maybe we should all be poor follower Christians. That's not the case either. Uh, what it is is money is a tool that we use. And if used properly, it opens the door for incredible blessing and it meets the needs of our community. But if used improperly, it's dangerous and it can hurt you. Uh, chainsaws are wonderful to cut down trees, right? Right not so good to trim your fingernails right like that's a tool used improperly uh same thing with our money we would we same thing if if you get caught up in controlling things with your money or controlling people with your money or building for it becomes not what it's meant to be and that's the abuse that we were talking about earlier some organizations and faith-based things have have used money to build their own empires and do their own things But God has called us to be generous and give freely and meet the needs of others. Because just like Abraham, God said, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. We're like blessing machines. It comes in, it goes out, and it grows every time. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'll close with this. DJ, if you want to come up. Uh, There was this hilarious video out on the internet. I couldn't find it. Otherwise, I'd show it to you. But it was one of those prank sites. And we all did it as a kid. But you know when they like um, glued a, a quarter to the ground? or they put a string on a dollar bill. Well, they did it to a really high level uh, in a really busy place. I don't know if it was New York or whatever. So they put it, like a hundred dollar bill on the ground and all these people would walk past and as they would get close to pick it up, they would pull the string and then people kept going for it. But the funny thing about it was, man, people were crashing into other people, running into the wall, like knocking stuff over. And literally when I was watching that video, just like, oh, that's funny. Literally, like God spoke to me. Like that's what it is when we chase money. We do that to ourselves when we're like, I gotta get money, I gotta get the next thing. We look like fools running all over, bumping into things, hitting our heads, banging into other people, destroying relationships. Like we get so consumed with getting that next thing that it destroys parts of our life because of that. And so I think that's how the enemy does it. And that's why the scripture says, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added to you. It's not your job to chase money. It's not your job to chase that next thing and to get to that next thing. It's your job to pursue God and the kingdom of God here on earth. And all that other stuff is added unto you. Somebody say amen. Amen. I thought about this. Um, God wants you blessed. Like I'll say this in closing. He definitely wants you blessed. He doesn't want to take from you. He wants to be able to give to you. And uh, he wants you taken care of. Psalm 35 talks about it. it says, let the Lord be exalted for he delights. In the prosperity of his people. When believers are prosperous, when they are taken care of, when you have resources and you can give freely, God delights in that because it says that he's exalted when we're generous. So when you give and we meet the, need, the, when we meet the needs of others, when we can come in and say, here, we love you. Here's this. God delights that you have that ability. And he's also exalted here on the earth. So let it be about us that we're a community of people that exalt God through our generosity because God is delighted in that, amen? Let's not try to build an empire or build our own thing. Let's meet the need and God will take care of the rest because ultimately it's all through God anyway. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. It all comes from and through God anyway. God is into us being taken care of. Third John wraps it up like this. Third John 2, 1 says, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things and be healthy as your soul prospers. So as you grow in God, as we sang this morning, as we can say, God, because I'm in you, because I trust you, because I follow you, it is well with my soul. My soul is prospering. And through my relationship with God, Also, I'm being healthy and then I'm being prosperous. Third John 2.1, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things and be healthy as your soul prospers. We have so much to be thankful for right now. We're so quick to get to the next dollar, the next thing, the next upgrade, the next people standing in line for the next iPhone and the next thing. It's craziness what we're chasing after. We should be thankful for what we have now and put the kingdom first and all that other stuff will be added to us. One million people in America will die this week. One million people. We have life. We should be thankful. The iPhone, it'll make its way to us. They know how to sell them. Three billion people right now on this earth are forbidden or uh, condemned, whatever, to go to church. They literally don't have this freedom right now. Three billion people can't do what you did this morning we're gonna get out of here and hustle and bustle and try to go get the next dollar and go do the next thing. No, we gotta be grateful and thankful for what we have now. Because when we thank God and we trust and we appreciate and and we give freely of what we have now, God continues to bless. We know in Philippians 4, it says, uh, I love this writing where we won't put it up, but I said, um, he says, I know what it is to be content when I have much and when I don't have much. I've learned the secret to being content. Um, because God always, the, the bottom line of it is that because God can be with you in both. There is seasons. You go up, you go down, you have much, you don't have much. But if you have God through it all, that's the best way to live and you're not gonna stay down very long. The so scripture says like this, give and it shall be given unto you. Then it goes on to say, "Pressed down, shaken together, running over, really explaining how much God really wants to give to you. And here's how it works. If you've ever spent a lot of time, you just got somebody a gift. You're like, oh man, I love that person. Whatever, going to get them a gift. And it's what happens at the holidays. We all have that festive, whatever. You give to somebody and you're excited about it. Well, when you receive a special gift, what does it inspire you to do? Do the same thing. You want to go get another gift that they're going to love and you want to give that. Give and it shall be given unto you. That's the cycle with God. God, you've blessed me. It's incredible. I can't believe your grace and your provision and you're taking care of me. Man, I want to give this to somebody else too. And so we meet the need at the rescue mission or we meet the need with somebody at our work who needs a transmission or tires or whatever it is. I'm not always talking about, oh, we have to give to the church, give to the church, give to the church. We are the church. (laughs) Your job, your school, wherever you are, let's meet the need of people that's what it's about. We're blessed to be a blessing. Give and it shall be given. Our whole thing is so that we can live on this earth as people who are generous and compassionate and love towards one another. Because why? Because then God be exalted up and he can delight in giving us prosperity. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? So before you leave, we're going to pray for this simple idea that we can leave here. Maybe we talk as a couple or maybe whatever. We just leave here deciding, God, how can we live in a way that it brings you, it, it exalts you. Like we always talk about, we live vertical. We do things that give glory unto God. We lift up your name. We live vertical. We We do things that give you glory. we lift in your name up. So how can we leave here with our resources that give God glory? And we're so blessed here at this church that all of you guys are just incredibly generous. And I always hear of needs that you're meeting. But let's leave here and say, God, how can we make sure you're the structure by which our world spins? How do we make sure that God is involved in every area of our finances and of our money? Because God can do more with our money than we ever could. Someone say amen. So let's just pray, and then we'll jump out of here. God, we love you so much. We thank you that you've put things in motion, laws and principles, that as we're obedient with our resources, as we trust you with every area of our life, Lord, you flood open the floodgates and the heavens, and you pour us out blessings, or that we don't can't even contain. And we just give to others and give to others. And so, God, our heart's desire this morning is that we look at the ways that that we can trust you or that we can do more, that we can walk in a way that we have your name be exalted as you delight in our prosperity and our well-being here on earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.